In the beginning, there was nothing. Then there were comic books. Once you enter our world, there is no escape. Comic exposure begins in 3, 2, 1. Welcome to Comic Exposure, the podcast where we talk about trades, graphic novels, with people who don't normally read comic books all that often. Uh, I'm Josh, and my uh, lovely partner is here with oh, me. Oh, thank you, Josh. Oh, I no am problem. lovely. You are gorgeous, gorgeous. Yeah. I might say. I feel I got, I got. I'm, I'm all decked out today. I got my theme shirt on. I'm ready. I'm excited. So on the podcast today, I'm pretty. I'm pretty. I can say that I'm excited to talk about a. Our first, like, real superhero book today. Uh, we got a guest with us today, which is also awesome. Awesome sauce. Uh, remember that you can find Comic Exposure a couple places. You can find us online at comicexposure.com. You can find us on the Facebook at facebook.com slash comicexposure. That's new since last time. So. I'm really liking that. That's like my clubhouse. <laughs> if you if you appreciate the Facebook more than the Twitter, you can find us there. Or you can find us at on Twitter at comicexposure is where you can find us. Uh, I'm also on the Twitter at Josh Broccoli, and we've got Travis is on the Twitter at TJ Rats. He doesn't use it, but if you like send him stuff, then maybe he'll use yeah, it. Maybe I'm, he'll force I'm, him to use it. You're you're compelling me to get into the social media thing. If <laughs> if if not for comic exposure, like I'm thinking about having to, I'm thinking about scrapping my my current Twitter, uh-huh. restarting, and just building from there. there you know, you I feel like I feel like people have. Maybe added TJ Rats and been disappointed the fact that I've never posted anything. So I want to I want to get rid of <laughs> that ego and come back, back in. Yeah. All right. So our our uh, zero year zero Twitter year, if you will. So, ooh, there you go. Our guest today, our guest today is a friend of mine. Uh, Chris Moore is here to talk about uh, Batman with us. Chris, uh, say hi. Hello. Thank you guys so much for having me here today. It is a pleasure. It is a thrill. Ooh, to be good here. podcast voice. I'm the one with cans on right now. I'm like, this is coming. This is going to be good. I do have to, uh, I got to love with you guys. I do have a, just a little bit of experience. I used to host a radio show back in college. It was really bad. It was basically me and my buddy did talk for an hour about whatever we could find on the internet that was fascinating, usually from Yahoo Weird News. <laughs> and uh, we went at it for about an hour and played terrible music and had a great time with it. So, All right, so. and now it's going to play Knock on Wood by the Mighty Mighty Boss Tones. Here we go! <laughs> we actually played that, too. So. <laughs> excellent, excellent. All right, so Chris, you're here. So I'm going to, we usually start the podcast with sure. our guests kind of talking about their background with comics. Yep. Now, I, you and I know each other. We, we used to work together mm-hmm. uh, back in a previous life uh, when, when we, we taught together in a different school. Um, it seems like everybody... Everybody, I all of my guests so far have been like teacher or colleague, so it's gonna get, it might get old. I don't know, but no. so uh, Chris and I uh, work together, uh, and I know Chris and I have been to uh, the Phoenix Comic Con before. We've been to the Amazing Arizona Comic Con before, so I know that you like comics. Absolutely. I know that you know comics, um, but can you tell us, like, give us your first. Go back for us and tell us about your first experience with comics. My first experience with comics, honestly, is going so far for me, was starting with, honestly, uh, was it it the Uncanny X-Men number one? It was the reboot back in the early 90s with, uh, I think it was the Stan Lee, Mm -hmm. uh, when he was doing it. And basically what happened was, I read that comic so many times, I got, I wore it out. (laughs) I wore the cover off of it. I used to go to this place called Time Travelers. It was a place in Berkeley, Michigan, where I grew up. And... I used to go there with my friends all the time. We'd sit there, and they had the comic rack, and mm-hmm. it was just like just 
it was this this long bookshelf of just every new release that was coming out or had come out, excuse me. And we would sit there and just go through every one of them. The owner actually didn't like us being there so long because we would just sit there and like going through everything. And I started there uh, with Uncanny X Men number one. Worked my way to Death of Superman. It's a classic. So I'm jumping around your point for, for, <laughs> for I think um, everyone in our generation, yeah. I think. Yeah. And I bought that because I was like, I heard so much about it. It was so hyped, so much. And I was like, I have to get this. So I got it, hung on to it, kept it in mint condition, thought this is going to be worth so much money someday. Nope. It's not worth anything. You, no, it's not worth you anything. keep it in its sleeve with the armbands yep. and everything? It's, it's in there. I want to bust out those armbands now. I, can we do this? Yes. Had, can we break these out and just wear them like on Superman Day? You know, I had I had, uh, I had, had two of them, right? So mm-hmm. the same thing. I had the comic book too. And we talked about this, I think, on our first podcast. We talked about uh, how we both got into comic books. And I said, that's the one. I re- that's what I remember the most is Death of Superman. And my dad bought two copies. So he bought the one that I could open and the one that I couldn't open. And I, too, held on to that one yep. I couldn't open, hoped and prayed I could sell it for some money. No, no. They just made too many of everything in the 90s. Yep. So, uh, so so, was there a period of time when you kind of got out of reading comic books? I got out of it a little bit because, um, honestly, like I had started uh, doing other things. I like started playing Get sports. Get laid. Yeah, that, too. Absolutely. All the time. Um <laughs> Yeah, it was basically like I got into you know I, was, I started growing up, I started getting into playing baseball stuff like that. I started playing video more video games, and I just kind of started drifting away from it. And I always stayed kind of a casual fan, mm-hmm. um, but from that initial when I started, I kind of got out of it a little bit. But I always stayed as up to date as I could with um, you know the different franchises: Batman, X Men, Superman, a little bit. Um, Pick up Wizard once in a while. Absolutely, Wizard magazine. <laughs> that was that was it, man. That man, was our that, internet. That wow. was the comic book internet. That was great. Wow, yeah, that's been a while, but I do, I've got some issues with that somewhere. I love how they, in Wizard Magazine, Wizard Magazine, I think they still publish now. I don't know, I don't know if they do that. But they used to have the, um, if this were a movie, they would, every month they would cast a different comic book um, franchise with the actors of the time, who would play who. And they they cast the X-Men, and then ten years later, there's an X-Men movie. Yep. You're like, oh, wow, and you pick Patrick Stewart, of course, you know. Um, <laughs> but let me ask you this, and I'm, I'm curious about this, and I think I'm going to start asking my, uh, our guests this, I'm... When you said you hang out with your buddies at the store and read comics, mm-hmm. did you ever fear, feel at one point like this was? Did you celebrate your comic? Was it something you kind of kept as you got older? You're like, I don't really want people to know that I'm reading comics, or was it something that was just like, hey, listen, this is this is me? I, would you read a comic in public at school? And then, yes, absolutely. Um, I'm like I said when I said I had that X Men comic. I took that thing to school with me all the time. Read the crap out of it. Yeah, I read it forty seven thousand times. Didn't care. Nothing was ever going to change. It was the same. But I love the art, and I didn't care who saw me with it. Yeah. Honestly, it was you know, it was what it was. And my friends were so into it. And that's really the only thing I cared about was were they into it? Yeah, we could all talk about it. Other people saw me. wasn't too concerned about it. But I felt good knowing that my friends were into it, and we had stuff to talk about. And stuff to kind of reminisce on. And last week when you guys, or sorry, the last episode, you guys talked to your guest about uh, the X-Men cartoon, right? Mm-hmm. So that was the other thing that I used to do, too. Yep. And I was listening to that and I said, all right, I have to bring that up again this episode because that was fantastic. But, you know, that was one thing. We'd read the cut, we'd either read the comic or we'd watch the show and then we'd talk about it. Like, we'd go to my friend's house, um, and we'd just talk about the episode, and I was, my favorite X-Men at the time was Cyclops, right? Or, and I feel like, all well, my friends were like, why is the worst one? I think a lot about you. Yeah, yeah, Cyclops is like, he is the worst. He is the worst. Out. He was always my favorite. Out. I was like, the laser eyes, that was cool, but I digress. <laughs> so many um, pockets. Um, before we get into today's thing, I, I, it's just amazing how 
the point of entry just seems to be the same. And yeah. there's a couple of choices. That was a Fox cartoon, yes. right? And that was my kind of entry point yeah. in Death of Superman. A couple people, so basically there were a couple people in the media industry that said, you know what, we should do this X-Men cartoon. And you know what? We should do Death of Superman. And that is responsible for the reason that we're here. Because <laughs> so. like someone in the office was like, I think people will dig this. <laughs> and one of the things that I, I do want to talk about too is, um, the other thing that kind of got me into it was watching Batman the Animated Series. Oh, it's one of my favorites. Um, of my favorites. I think it is... Bruce Tim. Yeah. Absolutely. And like, you know, watching those episodes with, you know, the, the Paul Dini wrote, mm-hmm. with, uh, with Kevin Conroy about Batman to life, Mark Hamill with the Joker, etc. You know, that show was so rich, the animation was just beyond its, you know, it was just, I thought it was ahead of its time. Kevin Conroy is my Batman. Yeah, he it always was. Such a non, it was such a non, like, kids cartoon, too. Exactly. There's some dark. seriously, like, yeah. dark stuff I try to get so Renner is four right and so I'm like I love it and it's on Amazon Prime so you can stream it on Amazon Prime and right. I want Renner to watch it with me because mm-hmm. he's four and like dude this is the best it's not for a four year old not that it's scary or anything like that but it's too like the colors are too yep. dark for him we yeah. have to watch like uh, Brave and the Bold's uh, Batman which mm-hmm. is the cheesiest version of Batman but I love it the cartoon uh, but he he'll he'll watch that one but the old Batman the animated series well they used to uh, normally, when they would draw the animation cells, they draw it on white paper. Yeah, like they draw on white paper. For this, that cartoon was it was all black, so they did everything on black to get it to get, get that dark, darkness. Dark, it was yeah. perfect. <laughs> when I was reading this, which we're going to talk about, let's get into it all right, right sure. now. Yep. But um, I listened to the uh, score. I was listening to the score, mm-hmm. the anime or the animated <laughs> series as I was reading this. I'm like, well, let me set the mood a little bit. There we you go. Know, bubble bath. <laughs> Lil Wine, Danny Elfman's animated uh, <laughs> series score, and uh, Batman. So we, we mentioned it really briefly, but again, today's uh, today's book we're reading is Batman uh, Volume 4, uh, Zero Year Secret City. So this is Scott Snyder has been doing his run in the New 52 with Batman. And so, uh, I don't know. How Will you explain, uh, since comic exposure, yeah. what the New 52 is? Because I don't think we've yeah. done a New 52 book. Okay, so New 52, uh, DC Comics decided that they were going to reboot essentially every franchise. And this happens all the time for a lot of books. You, you, you do number one issues again, but usually it is an entire scrap of a, a universe. Uh, but DC has some of the oldest comic characters with some of the longest history for some of these people. Like Spider-Man, or not Spider-Man, like Superman and Batman are some of the... The history on these guys is way, way deep. And so I think... I don't know the theory behind it. My, my thought behind it was, what can we do... One, to sell more books. Because, number one, sell. But on top of that, by creating a whole 50... When they, when they relaunched it, 52 comics, um, all issue number one. That right there gets people to buy into something right now. And, you can, and the reason why did we pick volume four is because volume four starts a brand new story. We, you didn't have to read... Now, I'm sure there might be... I haven't read anything before this, but, but my, my assumption is there are some hints to the world... That um, that Snyder's built for Batman. Uh, that maybe I would find richer had I read everything before Zero Year. But this is a really good jumping on point for us because it's a it's kind of a standalone, like a real standalone arc that right. goes back for him. So the New Fifty Two comes in, and I just heard on the news that they're scrapping the New Fifty Two. Yeah, it's like uh, Universe Forty Seven. They're like it's, it's they're trying to make numbers. Anyways, that's the thing. It's not a whole rabbit hole that we yeah, need yeah. into. Well, so, um, <laughs> Go ahead, Chris. So, Chris, have you, have you read any of Scott Snyder's Batman before this? I have not. This is my first time reading it. Um, picked it up, started reading it, and quite honestly, I kind of rolled right through it. We'll talk about that later, but yeah. absolutely loved the direction of it. Loved where it was started. 
and like the the way that the whole thing starts. And, and what scared me first is when when Josh invited me to, to do this was I saw Volume Four and I said, "I'm not going to know what's going on." Like I thought I was jumping in like mid, and I was like, "Wait a minute!" So I started when I first started, I started going back looking for Volume Three, Volume Two, Volume One. I wasn't seeing those, and I'm like, "Oh man, I hope I can know what's going on." So and then I then I as we tell you, told me a little more about it, just about that it's kind of a start over and it's a good jump in point. I felt okay. I can handle this. Right. Thing. So, so I I've had a little previous experience with Scott Snyder. Um, I got on the S- Scott Snyder when I picked up. It was my last thing I picked up in single issues, mm-hmm. and that was American Vampire because okay. Stephen King was co-writing it with yes. Scott Snyder. And this was years ago, and no one knew who Scott Snyder was, but we were picking it up because Stephen King was writing yeah. half the comic. And American Vampire is a really good, a really good comic. And he started picking up steam from there. And then he was on, before New 52, he was writing for Detective Comics, yeah. I believe. Yeah, it was And then when they relaunched it, they're like, hey, Scott, we want you to take the main Batman title. And um, they assigned him, Greg Capullo, as the artist. Who I like as... So we talked about Superman being, like, Death of Superman being a giant jumping on point. Spawn, Spawn. Mm-hmm. and Greg Capullo are like, that was my... That is my quintessential comic years. Are Todd McFarlane and Greg Capullo doing uh, Spawn? Because at first Todd McFarlane drew it, but then Todd McFarlane gets too big and busy, and, and so uh, Capullo would come in and do a bunch of issues with him. And that's the stuff that I remember from like my youth, my youth uh, reading it. Um, so, Travis, why are there so many Batman books? Why are there, why is there Batman and Detective? You know why? What aside from this Batman sells, but. I've never been. I mean, I'm going to be honest with you. I haven't read a Batman book since uh, probably. I haven't read a series continually of Batman uh, since uh, Batman's Back Gets Broken. So since Nightfall. Wow. Right. So I read it before yeah. Nightfall. I had a couple. I had some stuff like that. I read all of Nightfall. I read all of like Azrael Batman. All that stuff coming back. And then when comics kind of fell out of my life, Batman in comic book form fell out of my life. And, and right. so I hadn't read one. Um, you know, in a in a long time, and uh, when New Fifty Two came out, I think I read the first issue of each of them. So I read the first issue of Detective, I read the first issue of Batman, or the first issue of Batman, Batman and Robin. I keep tapping the table. I know. It's, Travis, I turned it up Travis, really high. Travis, I turned it up really high. For you. So if you hear me tapping the table, I apologize. But that's but that I haven't read a solid series of Batman since then. So I was really excited to go back and read this. So let's let's go around. Yeah. So and to get on that, it's because. Batman attracts talent. The people who are the best writers in comics today, they all want to write Batman because they grew up on them. So yeah. you have four or five titles, and you have people who are... You're, I mean, from... I recently started getting into Batman over the last couple of years and started like... I, I had never read... Um, you know, um, Frank Miller's Batman. Mm-hmm. And I kept hearing it all the time. So I'm like, I gotta read this. But let's talk about this one. Two-minute okay. summary. Who wants it? You get, I did the last one. I, you made me do God right. Hates Astronauts, yeah. so you get to do the two-minute God summary. damn right I made you do God <laughs> Hates Astronauts. You made right. me do that, so this one's yours. Okay, um, I'm trying to remember this. All right, I'm going to give it the best shot. All right, so two-minute summary. So basically, Batman, um, uh, year, uh, Zero Year, Secret City, Volume 4, we jump into it, and you immediately jump into Bruce Wayne trying to tackle the Red Hood gang. Mm-hmm. And he's not as Batman, he's Bruce Wayne in disguises. And it's a real kind of Mission Impossible beginning. He's got the fake mask on, he's trying to, to corral this, this crime syndicate. And this crime syndicate, the Red Hood gang, is the, I would say, the antagonist. The Red Hood is the antagonist through this first volume. So this, ish, this volume follows... A, a Bruce Wayne 
merging, coming back to Gotham after years of absence and trying to defeat his first crime syndicate, the Red Hood Gang. Meanwhile, in the background of this story, you have the Riddler, Edward, uh, it's Nygma, right? Yeah. I always want to say Enigma. No, it's Edward Nygma. Enigma. Enigma is is being set up as the next big baddie, right? And he's he's working in the backgrounds. He's involved in Bruce Enterprises um, and all that good stuff. So this this arc is really a struggle of Batman one taking on the mantle of the Bat, two uh, dealing with uh, Bruce dealing with Wayne Enterprises and his involvement with that. And three, oh, it would be nice if I had like a nice third. Like a nice third. <laughs> Everything's uh, in threes. Shouldn't right. Be? Uh, three, um, uh, the kind of philosophy behind the beginning of Batman. And so it takes us through uh, the Red Hood gang. In the end, you have that that classic scene where the Red Hood falls into the vat of yeah. acid, uh, leaving Batman at the end with uh, Edward Nigma, who is... Uh, basically calling out the city and sh- showing that he's going to be the next big baddie in mm-hmm. the next arc. Mm. Didn't get very detailed, but... That's hey, it. That's, it's a two-minute overview, so that's yeah. all we did. They've read it, so... They've read it, and they're that's listening to us minutes, talk about it, so it's two minutes. I just fast-forward through that two minutes. You know why? <laughs> why even listen? You read it. Yeah, you read it. All right, so, uh, let's start. Let's let's start. Um, I'm going to... Let's see. Let's go around the table and see what everybody thought. So, let's start with our... you want to start with our guest? Yeah, Or do absolutely. you have to do something first? I was going to just get, get into questions. I was okay. going to get the questions, and then at the end, kind of maybe determine how get a feel for how we do it. Because I feel like if we say I liked it, we're just going to go start spilling out okay, all these yeah, reasons. You're right. You're right. So here's the first question for sure. you. Sure. That's either this, Chris. Sure. I think uh, part of Batman is a Batman story is how much Bruce Wayne versus Batman do you get? I think that's a, that's for any writer to tackle. That is, what's the right mix of Bruce Wayne and Batman? Mm-hmm. So for an origin story for this, what did you think about that? Um, the time spent with Bruce Wayne, time spent with Batman. What, what were your thoughts? I really liked the fact that they they stuck with Bruce Wayne and the fact that you know you get to learn a little bit more about him. But they didn't the, they didn't take the the path of my parents are dead. Uh, I fell in a well, or I, I rather I fell in a cave. You know there was a little more uh, to the storyline of Bruce Wayne. You know meeting his uncle, going through working with Wayne Enterprises, and how he's really not. You know he's been dead for how I can't remember the exact amount of time he's been gone, but. They build that up to where, okay, I understand who Bruce Wayne is as a person. Why? It's like it almost feels like a different path from what I'm used to. You know, it seems in terms of the movies, the other comics, of way why and why he becomes Batman, and why I should care about Bruce Wayne as a person, not just go, well, just give me Batman all the time. And I thought that this was a good kind of drawing point, a starting point of where they have him go in. Am I allowed to talk about the story yet? Yeah. yeah okay. Yeah, yeah. All right. Well, they have him go into the factory. Uh, you know, they start rather the, not the factory, but where they where he introduces. He goes out, and the media is talking to him. In the and this is the comic I'm talking about that we're reading. Obviously, not anything else. Um, about how he is out with the media, and he's talking about how why are you part of why are you in Gotham? And he goes on to talk about you know why the city's so important to him, and and we kind of get that background. We know Gotham's important to him, but I like that they they're kind of he's out there explaining why he's so interested. That was in one it. of my like favorite Bruce Wayne scenes mm-hmm. in the book. Was him talking about how, like, selling Gotham yep. to everybody because they're under siege, right? They're under siege from the Red Hood, can- Red Hood gang, and they're all like, you know, he, instead of saying you should, you know, leave Gotham, get out of here because yep. things are bad, he's kind of telling everybody why Gotham is important. It gives everybody this fresh start, gives everybody the ability to start over. And so I thought that was, that was got to, that's got to be my best 
like my favorite Bruce Wayne moment, right? Uh, from the from the book, from this volume, right? Josh, let me ask you this. Yeah, um, we're talking about an origin story. The Batman origin story has been told in many different forms throughout the years. Yeah. I would say the quintessential is probably um, Year One, Bat, uh, Frank, Frank Miller's Year One. Is that Frank Miller? Yeah, yeah. Um, when it comes to Batman origin, what are the sacred cows? What do you want us? What do you have to see? I I don't know that I have to see it, but you have to use dead parents. You got to have dead parents, right? Because there has to be some crime that spurs him on his vengeful nature, or not necessarily vengeance, but the idea of protecting him. But not him, but like everybody else in Gotham represents him as that child, right? Does it need to be the alleyway? No, I don't think it, I don't think it has to be the alleyway. I think uh, it has to be. I think it has to be in Gotham City. It has to happen in the city that he, you know, uh, that needs a protector, right? So he has a reason to go out in the city and protect everyone else who, who, who I think in his mind could be little Bruce Wayne. Right. You know what I mean? I, I think that that's one of the important parts. And aside from that, um, I don't care where he trains. That doesn't matter to me. It doesn't matter to me like. Where he gets his cool toys, right? That does, I don't know. That stuff doesn't matter to me. And maybe it's because um, my Batman origin story is Batman '89. That's that is my that's the yeah. movie. Oh, uh, you know, Keaton's, movie, Batman, yeah, yeah. Keaton's yep. Batman is the movie that cements that origin story for me of uh, where Batman comes from. And that's the you don't see anything else but that. They don't tell you he went somewhere and trained. They don't do anything like that to kind of tell you, you know, League of Shadows and all of that, right. like all that stuff. So I I think. His parents need to be murdered, he needs to go away, and he needs to have a reason to come back to Gotham. And I think what this comic does so well is that it they almost say that they almost think that all right, the reader already knows that. Yeah. Because you go back and like and you go towards the end of the comic where they're showing some of the origin stuff, and it's just short couple page comic about, you know, um, the training he goes through. Yeah, it's just very brief. It's yeah. like because alright, this is kinda cool, we're throwing this in. But we're we are assuming you as the reader already know that. And that's what I really liked about this. It's like, okay, this is we're getting a little bit more of a fresh origin story, a little more a little something different. And I really like that about this. Right. I will say that I, I disagree from the standpoint of what I would what I do you like. need. What do you need? I need I need that training, man. And I think I might get it later down the road. Uh-huh. I think within flashbacks. I really like the add-ons with the uh, Raphael uh, Albuquerque yeah. art in there. Yeah, I like because I got through it and I was like, mm, you know what? One of the reasons that I, uh, Batman appeals to me, I think, at this age when I was young, than when I was younger, is because this is all about Bruce becoming the man he's be- becoming, yeah. like finding his purpose. And I think at thirty years old, I you know I can relate to like a lot of like what made you like this, like the discipline of Batman. And I always liked um, the the flashback training because you just see how disciplined he is. And I don't need a lot of it. I don't need a lot of it. You know, I don't need like a whole chapter on the League of Shadows, but I want to see him like fail. I want to see him struggle to, like, throw a roundhouse, you know? Yeah, do you think think that Scott Snyder, though, didn't do that because we're so fresh off of Nolan's Batman? Yeah. We're so fresh off Nolan's Batman that there's no no need for us to spend all that time in there. Right, and if I don't, you know, there's four volumes of this. He might go, I don't know, um, if if he does or not, and we see a little bit at the end. Yeah. But you're right, I don't, we have that in there, and I think he plays off of that, um, any more sacred cows for what you seem the need to see in the origin? Uh, I think you need. I think you need um, Alfred kind of being his guide when he gets back. I mm-hmm. think you get that. I think that's really good. Um, I, you know, um, I don't know that there's a that there's a bad guy you need right away for Batman. Mm-hmm. I don't know what the bad guy is for Batman right away. I don't know that there's one that is necessary. I think that 
Snyder does a really good job of picking a big, giant bad, right. like this giant collective of the Red Hood gang for him to fight off, because that gives him a giant reason to come back. Instead right. of just, well, shucks, I'm going to stop some muggers, you know? Mm-hmm. But, you know, it gives him, like, a giant reason to don this hood. And I think the big part about this one is save the city. Mm-hmm. It seems less about um, vengeance or protecting people because of his parents, but more because of that big scene where he talks about how much he loves Gotham City, mm-hmm. that it really comes down to protecting his home, right? Protecting Gotham. And mm-hmm. I think that that's a, I think that's a really good kind of like twist that, right. That, that Snyder throws in here for that. Chris, um, yeah. he mentioned the, the bad guy in here. Uh, like the, well, there's two, we have Edward Nima, but let's yeah, talk about yeah. the Red Hood. What do you think about the Red Hood? Like the, is characterization in this? This is, this is something I really liked about it because it's like, all right, I don't know. I have a very limited knowing what the Red Hood is outside of that. The, the Red Hood one, a lot of people plays he's he's the Joker basically. You know, he falls into the vat at the end. You know, kind of that's kind of like my understanding. And if if you've ever played the uh, Batman video games and the one is Arkham Asylum, no, the third one, Origins, they have a I believe it's I think it's Origins. They have him actually in the Red Hood in one scene, and you actually control him, and he's kind of going through this, and that, that's how it kind of ends. So I had a very limited under I knew what I'd heard of the Red Hood gang, but I didn't know like really what they were. And so reading this, I was like. I was like, all right, this is cool because I don't know a lot about this. This isn't the typical. This isn't the Penguin. This isn't the Joker. This isn't Two-Face. You know, this is something that, you know, I can get behind because it's something I don't know a lot about. And I thought that this was drawn out really, really well. I love that they put the Penguin in here, but then the Penguin gets it handed to exactly. him right away. Yep. Like, it's fantastic. Mm-hmm. Like, they're like, oh, you know this bad guy? Oh, never mind. Don't yeah, worry about him. Right. He's, he's nothing compared to what's going on. I thought that was kind of cool. Uh, I'm going to agree with you. I don't know a lot about Red Hood precisely because I haven't read Batman in a long time, mm-hmm. right? So I haven't read Batman in a long time, and the reason why I had Chris come on is because I know Chris is a big, like, Batman as far as, like, the video games yeah. and the movies. Like, I know he's a big fan, and so I thought, you know what, this would be a good thing for him to come on and talk about because... This is going to be the new origin. Yeah. Like, as yeah. far as the comic readers are yeah. concerned. Yeah, I mean, there's... For people, the movies will always be it, but people aren't going to touch comics. Yeah. But for comics... Scott Steiner's selling a lot of copies of this. This is yeah. one of the highest selling uh, single issue comics out there right now. Um, for the Red Hood, here's my thing with the Red Hood. I, as I've been going back in the last yeah. three years and reading some of the classic Batman arcs, I've kind of dipped into the Red Hood stuff. A couple of things about the Red Hood. The idea behind the Red Hood is different villains have taken up the mantle of the Red Hood throughout Batman's history. So sometimes it's the Joker, and you, you never know. And now it's actually one of the Robins is is the Red Hood, mm-hmm. and they have the whole series, the Red Hood, where the Red yeah. Hood's a good guy but with an attitude. <laughs> uh, you need an attitude adjustment, Red Hood. <laughs> um, but so I, I was like, okay, I, I never really got into yeah. that because I kind of like I'm like, oh, we, it's it's it's. It's kind of a cheat from the standpoint of we can put anyone underneath there, yeah. and sometimes authors will use that as a chance to like reveal who it is and be like, the Penguin's the Red Hood this time, what? Yeah. I thought it was clever that he didn't do it, and I think what Scott Snyder's doing is he's planting the seed, I don't know how long he's going to be in this book, but he's planting the seed of amb- uh, ambiguity for authors down the line in the New 52, whatever it becomes, to make... To build on that origin, I don't think he was ever going to tell us who that Red Hood was. But an author, three writers down from Snyder, yeah. might revisit this yeah. storyline and be like, yeah. you know who he pushed in that vat? It was this person. The other thing I said with the Red Hood, 
ridiculous helmet. That helmet was killing me, dude. It was like a little, like a like a little dildo head. Yeah, it was just like I went like. I would say I would say this about it. The thing I liked about the red hood in here, it is it's a silly costume. It really is. I really like though that the gang is just a bunch of people that are forced into it. So, like, just normal, everyday people are like, nah, dude, you're in the Red Hood gang now, so you better do it or we're going to kill your family. There is that scene and with, so, a, like, the guy's talking, he's a lawyer or something yeah, like that, and yeah. he's like, hey, uh, and I'm like, shut up, man, no names, bro. Yeah. <laughs> and, and so I thought, that that, I thought that idea of the Red Hood being, I think the idea, at least in this version, that the Red Hood could honestly be anybody, and so it's not revealed. And even at the end, when he falls in the vat, is it really the main Red Hood mm. falls in the bath? Yeah. Was it someone else dressed as the Red Hood? Because you don't, we don't know who it is. And essentially... There were dialogue points where they made him sound like the Joker, though. They called him Bats. He was calling them yeah, Bats and stuff yeah. like that. But, you know, you can easily change that if, if need be as an author down the, down the line. Yeah. Well, I know that, that right now uh, Joker is kind of being pa- uh, penned off as, like, he might be immortal in the Batman universe. That's what I've heard. I heard uh, that was the so thing. So I don't know if he's. I don't know if he's the Red Hood then. Well, Scott playing. Snyder is the one who's yeah. suggesting that. Yeah. Um, I don't think so. And so I think that I think that Scott Snyder does a, a, a good job of fainting a bunch of stuff. Yeah. And that's really what I think is fantastic about this. I think he does a really good job of kind of like fainting stuff as he goes through. Um, can we talk about what, what do you want? What do you got next for us? What's your next question? Well, you you kind of touched on this. Is so much of Batman is about Gotham. Yeah. And certainly in an origin story, that's that that's really important. Uh, and, we, and we can use this, I think, to segue into the art as well. Let's talk about how Gotham appears in the story and then transition to it, like how it looks on the page. Um, how do we feel about the portrayal of Gotham in in this book? Um, I think I think it's I think it's uh, there's you don't there's not a lot of there's not a ton of cityscape in this book really. No, there's not. When you look at it, there's not. I mean, there's there's scenes in Wayne Manor, there's scenes in a chemical factory, there's scenes uh, in a blimp. Yep. But there's not a lot of Gotham except for when he does his little press conference outside of out of uh, Wayne Industries, right? Yep. So there's not a lot of Gotham in here. So I'm a little I'm a little kind of bummed that the city doesn't take. There's not a lot of the city in here, but I think that's probably also because before this, there's three volumes of Batman's traipsing around Gotham City. Yeah. So why? That doesn't have to be the focus of, of of this here. And Scott Snyder did a run called Court of Owls, which is yeah. really steeped in the mythology yeah. of Gotham. Yeah, and like the underground, all the kind of like... It's not a dark theme. book. It's not. There's no, a lot of scenes I'm that gonna, happen in the daytime I'm gonna for tell Batman. You what, I'm going to tell you what, I love the color in this book. I love it. Oh man, it's gorgeous. Who's like, the colorist? Give credit where credit's uh, due. Let's, let's, let's see, who's doing color on this? Um... There's a couple people. So, um, Dave McCage and... Uh, F- Nick Napolitano? Yeah. They, well, no, they're Taylor, doing letters. Oh. Uh, Placencia? Placencia yeah. and, and McGregor do, oh, are doing man. the colors. Artists, man, always have weird names. <laughs> it's like so, Jim Buck or something like that. There is so much pink in this. It's a Batman book, but the amount of pink in this book is r- ludicrous. Well, I'm looking, you flip to the pages yeah. right now, and there's very little darkness, no, except no. for maybe towards certain parts of it. There's some stuff where he's, you know, where he's in the cave, which is dark, but there's a ton of stuff where it's bright. The inside the chemical frack factory is yep. somehow, there's a lot of, like, um, orange and pink and yellow hue throughout this book, and I think it is a super awesome way to do it. And in the back, so this is the cool thing about the about this, about getting it in trade form that you wouldn't get in single issues, is that you get the draft 
of Scott Snyder's first draft written in 2013 of this book. And he starts out saying right away, our story is original as organically brighter and more kinetic mm-hmm. and more bombastic with action adventure, even touches of sci-fi. So he's trying to be different than, than year one. He says in this, he says, essentially I want this to be an anti year one because year one is gritty. It's Frank Miller. It's gritty. It's dark. Like it's a very underbelly seedy part of Gotham sort of stuff you see in that, in that year one book. And this is, I think Scott Snyder wants to do something different. And I think he really accomplishes making something visually different for sure. Have you read year one, Chris? I don't believe so. No, I have not. And I think they have an animated series of it too now. Yeah, they did. They, they, he you, says you he wants the anti, but I, there are so many callbacks to it. That whole bat coming through the window. I like how he did it with like the visual, like the, the ball that, you yeah. know, kind of yeah, giving the, technology. So Chris, what do you, what do you think about the art on, on this? Or I guess I, I guess I skipped over your, your feelings on Gotham. That's okay. Choose. Um, basically in terms of like the, the art of it, what drew me to it was the, just the fact that it was a brighter, like keep in mind, this is someone who's coming from knowing, you know, like the animated series, the movies, everything's dark. Um, Killing Joke. I just remembered that that's one of the other ones I had read a while ago. A while ago, excuse me. So, like, I'm so used to seeing Gotham as a dark place where just corruption, evil, and so seeing this, and, and I'm looking right now at the the very first page where it almost looks post apocalyptic, and just seeing the color here, and I'm like, wow, there's actually daytime. There's sun here. This is all right, and it just kind of drew me in, and I'll I'll talk more about this later. But just seeing that, I'm like, okay. And so as I went through the comic, I looked at, you know, they show the more of the cityscape. And then, yeah, they go back to the nightscape a little bit, and it gets darker. But, you know, towards the first couple of pages, they're out, you know, the Red Hood gang's out in the daytime committing crimes. I'm like, okay, so Gotham City actually does have sun. It's not always <laughs> yeah. raining there all the time, and it's not always it's dark. It's not in right. Alaska. It's not yeah. Alaska. <laughs> so, how often does the, the, the first scene in a Batman book, how often is in the middle of the day? There's fluffy clouds. Yeah, yeah looking right yeah. at it. It's no, like, it's, it, it, I'm going to tell you. You're right. He does do a lot of callback to some old Batman stuff, things like Year One, and there's a lot of there. So there's a scene in here. It's out of um, respect, I think. That. There is, and there's a scene in here that's like a remake of that first Batman cover, like a famous Batman cover where he's swinging through uh, with someone under his arm. But this one's like a he's got a bad guy. He's got the purple gloves on. It's the whole nine yards. Now, uh, where's that? It's page. Um, of course, there's another page on that one. There's another page. Does he not? Are these not page marked? They're not. There's no pages on this. Yeah. Uh, about halfway through, uh, when he pins all of the Red Hood gang to the uh, the sign. Yeah. Uh, and then the that. next page, uh, two pages over, it, it's like a it's um. It opens up big, and so guys, you can see it right there. Yeah. This got him where he's holding the villain. He's swinging through. He's got the purple gloves on. That's a callback to a really old Batman right. cover. Uh, and there's a there is a deep love for Batman in this volume that I think is really fantastic. You know, Chris, you read this on... I'm looking at your iPad yep. right now. Um, and that color's popping really really great on that screen, too. Yeah. Like, look at that. Um, <laughs> now, can you... What was your experience on that? Can you choose to go panel by panel on when you're reading that? Or is it going to show you the whole page? So how it works is if you're on an iPad, if you're reading a comic on an iPad, it's they want you to have it in kind of that landscape mode like like this. So, now I'm trying to describe this obviously so nobody can see us, but yeah. what it does is you can make it panel by panel by zooming in on it. Right. And then you can kind of just kind of tab over, or like not tab see, over, just kind of swipe great. over. Did you, did you get it on Comixology? I, uh, no, I actually got this off the Apple Bookstore. Okay, because I know on Comixology, their reader go pa- goes panel, panel to panel. Yes. It does pull panel to panel. The only problem when you do panel to panel, though, is it zooms in, and so sometimes it's not very pretty, depending on how it was 
how the images were scanned mm-hmm. and everything. But I think too, for a begin, like someone, like if we were to, who yeah. was getting into comics, it forces you to really kind of appreciate the art and the detail it in it. It does. Because all of a sudden you're seeing this this panel, and it's not like oh, like you you talked about how. Um, in um, the, in preacher, one of the things that ruined it is sometimes they'd have yeah. like the um, the reveal on the page I, next to lock, it. Lock and key. Lock, lock and key. key. Yeah. Um, and this, you can read panel to panel and just let like the art wash yeah. over you and really figure out the detail of it. Yeah. Okay. So um, as you know, we're getting the second half of the episode here. Uh, I really want to talk about this art. Real. Uh, I think Greg Capullo. We good or bad. We need to talk about this. Um, what do we think about Greg, Chris, what do you think about, uh, you talk, you're talking about the art on here as being light, but what do you think about as far as the, like the, the, the characters? I mean, there's a million ways to draw Batman and we've seen him in different styles and whatever. Even this book, we see like the mm-hmm. add-ons at the end done by a different artist and we see how different yeah. that is. What do you think about the main card here? In terms of looking at Bruce Wayne and Batman, what I liked about the, the, the Batman character in this particular, uh, volume was that... Yeah, it's it's new it's new for him. So he's like, it looks like he's wearing like basically winter gloves almost, basically, right? So he's out there, and then you've got his crew cut. And so I apologize, I was a little distracted there for a second. <laughs> That's fine. It's just kind of weird, you know. You see him in a crew cut. He's like, yeah, it's like this is the Bruce Wayne I've come to expect: dark hair, handsome guy, got some scars from his training. I get that. I like the crew cut. I, you know what? I didn't like the crew cut. <laughs> I never I seen it before. When he buzzed his hair, I was like, eh, but, but the one the one thing that didn't change, I was like, then he, and he only has a very brief uh, stint in this issue is. Gordon, he doesn't. He still has the mustache. Still looks the same. He's like, it's like he's his character never evolves to anything different. Like I was kind of like, all right, was he gonna look a little different? Nope, same character every time. But I just, you know, it's like it's typical Batman. It's it's not too much of a change to where I'm like, well, that's kind of ridiculous for a Batman character to look something different. But it's like it's the Bruce Wayne that we've all come to expect. It's the Batman we've come to expect with little changes here and there. You know, obviously his suit is not as technical as it is. You know, it doesn't have uh, all the gadgets and everything. Doesn't have the you know, the armor and everything. So. It's what, like, do yeah, it's the, really, what do you think about the gray suit? I mean, it, people have done it like dark, uh, almost black, you know, like Keaton-esque. Uh, what do you think about this? This is the, that's, and, and kind of going back to that, this is kind of the the look that I expect for a Batman character yeah. to have. It's gray. Black's cool. Obviously, we got used to black with the Nolan movies and a lot of the comics and everything like that. But this is kind of, almost reminded me of going back to the early animated series where he's got the gray and I'm like okay and, and that was kind of what I was relating to when I was reading this so as I'm reading it of course I'm looking at it like it's the animated series a little bit and I'm reading it in Kevin Conroy's voice so <laughs> you know yeah Robin I, I really I really like the costume I dug the, I dug the Batman costume here I like the callback with the purple gloves to like the original Batman back in the day I think they look a little silly because there's no explanation for mm. why he's wearing a purple glove. Dude, I didn't even catch that. But, <laughs> yeah. but I love I love the idea that he has purple gloves on because it's such a throwback to, to classic, classic old, old Batman. Uh, I kind of like the costume, how it's not... Uh, it it's not that armor costume that you get from the games, Arkham Asylum yeah. and all that stuff. Uh, and it's very much kind of that... I like how it does have the padding, though, right? He's got the padding along the shoulders and the arms. Is that the stripes? The those are the stripes. Oh, okay. I think those are, like, uh, I think that's meant to be, like, ribbed out padding on him. Mm-hmm. Um, I, don't, I thought the costume design overall was pretty cool, aside from, you know, your gripe earlier about the Red Hood, Travis. I think, uh, for the most part, I didn't hate anything. Um, as far as Capullo goes, and I, I Capullo is, is so much, like, an artist from my youth that I don't, it's really hard for me to go and get angry at Greg Capullo because I'm so used to his art style. Uh, I didn't like Bruce Wayne buzz cut Bruce Wayne. I know why, right? They kind of like 
he's going military then he's like that's it i'm totally like and that's like, what I saw. Yeah, so we're all yeah. like, hey. he's like oh, <laughs> all liberal <right>. podcast. <laughs> like, he's like, I'm, I'm told, you know, he gets, in, he gets into his gear to fight. Um, you don't see Riddler in his garb in the actual run. You see Riddler in his Riddler garb. Uh, in, the Raphael Albuquerque. Yeah, part. in the Raphael Albuquerque part. Uh, I didn't like that. You don't like the, the Raphael I stuff. I, I, well, I didn't mind the art. I didn't like that. I don't like the what the Riddler looks like. I, I don't. I don't. Um, I don't know. And I guess maybe I, I just want my Riddler to be like overly flamboyant. Keeps me safe when I'm <laughs> jogging at night, right? But he's he's got. Uh, I don't know. It's like a weird. His mask is just weird. It looks. Like, he looks like the shadow almost. But it does, or like uh, Kato, like um, yeah, like, yeah. <laughs> so, but it's not bad. It's not bad. But overall, what do you think of Kapoor on this? I think here's a, I've read Bat books where um, main runs of Batman they yeah. like oh what was Jeff Loeb yeah um, when he was doing it and th- there were some really great stories but the art was too independent for my Batman Batman is such like a, a the that pop iconic comic book I want clear real uh, realistic art I don't want you to get too like um, artsy i don't want you to like get to garage uh <laughs> band with my batman i want it like i want it very like i want a muscle i want like i want yeah. the action figure batman i want the lines yep. i want this coloring is great and i want when i you know greg capullo i'm like this is great man because spawn as shitty as the story was had amazing <laughs> art to it it was like you had people like chains he does yeah. chains so well yeah. and you're like this brings me back to like i want to go out and like kickbox after this because everything is it's not anatomically correct I mean like the size of his calf is bigger than his you know like yeah, his yeah. chest at some point but when he's roundhousing the redhead in the face I don't care man just give me just give me muscle bound Batman kicking butt this, gave, this gave you what you wanted then? yeah okay. let me ask you guys a question Go. On, I want to talk since we're talking about art before we move on real quick for the novice comic book reader okay at the end of this arc you see uh, Red Hood 1 falling into the vat and the art style has stayed the same throughout now, all of a sudden, you go into the kind of the epilogue, it changes. Now, for those of us who, are, who don't know why that happens, can you kind of elaborate on that? Like, why did the art style, why is it a different, it looks like it's a different artist, it's, different uh, color. excellent. Do you want it? You want I, it? I, don't know, I don't know why. Um, my, I don't know if it appeared that way in the actual issue. I don't know if that's back up in the actual issue or not. Yeah, so sometimes in, sometimes in uh, a comic book run, uh, artists are usually drawing several books, mm-hmm. so sometimes just for to meet the deadline, they'll have to take a couple issues off. That wasn't the case, I don't think, in this. Oftentimes in a run, too, you'll have the main story, and the main artist will draw, and the writer will draw, but the writer has some more stuff they want to do, but, you know, the main pencil can only do so much, so they'll have what's called a backup story at the, yeah. in, the in the single issue after the main story. And I know that um, Scott Snyder and uh, Raphael um, Albuquerque are work together on American Vampire, so they're close friends. So it was probably like, hey, I have this main story, but I want to talk about some of the training and where he was. And so it was a great opportunity to have four pages of, you know, someone kind of subbing in for Capullo. So, so there's, there's different reasons. Oftentimes it comes down to deadlines. Yeah. we got to get this story out here. If it's a main book, who can draw it? Um, that type of thing. I think I liked uh, Raphael Albuquerque's Batman in Better. some panels than than Greg Capullo's. I like Greg Capullo, but at times Batman's almost he's almost almost anime. Yeah. Almost oh yeah, there. yeah. yeah. He's got those anime. eyes. Uh, but for the most part, um, 
I like the backup stories. I thought they were good. I think they, I thought they served a really good purpose. But you're right, Chris. If you don't normally read this, especially if you're not getting it single issues, when you get it like this, you're like, okay, so what's going on here? Yeah, did I miss something uh, somewhere? Or? Yeah, but that story ends pretty. That one with the Riddler comes to a pretty big conclusion, and then you get here is the extra stories. Where the hell did he learn to drive? Uh, and then the next one, like in the pit or whatever it is, that this the extra stories for. Uh, for Bruce Wayne, and there are the two extra ones at the back. Um, Greg Capullo, I think, I, I like I said, he brings me back to my childhood, so I really like the artwork. I really dug it. I think sometimes his eyes are a little too, especially when he does the eyes of Bruce Wayne, he gets a little too, like, they're too... Yeah, they're like, is that glimmer in it? Like, yeah, no. like he's smiling with his eyes, like trying to I mean? capture the youth. Like, this is young Bruce Wayne. Like, yeah, get it. yeah, he doesn't have to. Um, but otherwise, I thought everything else. I really like the character design in it. Um, I thought Penguin left me a little wanting. Mm. Um, I didn't really love it, but otherwise, I thought they did a really good job with um, Edward Nigma early on, before the change. I kind of liked his character in there. I kind of liked the way he was going. Uh, and it made me happy that it, like... I've, if you watched Gotham, have you watched Gotham? Yeah. I hate Gotham so much. I got through four, yeah. four or five episodes. The, 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 the jumping in of, like... Edward Nigma in that show is so ham-handed. I like uh, that... Was it like the forensic expert or something? Yeah, like I like that it's cheesy in here. I like that he does play riddles, but it's not It's not as ham-handed as it is for TV writers. And I, and that's probably because Scott Snyder does this well, and he's not a TV writer for a poorly made non-Batman Batman show. But um, What didn't you like? What didn't you like? Uh, Chris, go ahead and start us off. With, give me something that you, that you think you could have done better or you don't like. Well, let me kind of describe it this way as someone I remember I'm not a, I wasn't a huge comic book reader so what I did was when I go into something like this that I don't know a lot about I kind of try to go in with a fresh mind like I look at it and go alright there's going to be stuff in here that's like it's going to be different and I just I try to accept that when I go into it um, like the story as a whole actually I was really really liked it um, kind of the whole background was different and that's kind of what I was going back to earlier was that I liked the fact that it wasn't all parents are dead here's the alley here's me going through training stuff like that it was, it was different I didn't know who Philip was uh, his uncle, so it's like, all right, we get to build that up. Um, kind of echoing what he said, the the doe-eyed Bruce Wayne. I was like, okay, it's a little, it's a little cheesy. And and, and again, and I had the exact same thought, anime Great. thought. Um, it's like, all right. And then for me, when we talked about just a few six, a few minutes ago, was that sudden art change in the back. Now for me, that's like, it's like when you as as I was reading this, I kind of read it all the way through, and I'm just like, I didn't stop, and I get to this up, I'm like, why is this changing? So I guess I got so used to and comfortable with this art style, and this is what I kind of know. Back from my childhood, seeing art similar to this, um, kind of changing. Jarring. It was it's just it was, for me. It was jarring, and yeah. and the whole and Nigma was like, okay, I like that they put him in. They they kind of worked him into the storyline. That's like, okay, yeah, you got to kill Bruce to you know make things make this company yours, kind of thing. Um, uh, telling Philip that, excuse me. Um, and then the you know the, I was I don't know. I guess. I guess I just kind of went into it, just going, all right, this is what it's going to be, and if if I like it, cool. If if I don't like it. Then I don't, but honestly, there wasn't because I don't know the rest of the series. It made me actually want to know more of what happened, so it made me want to go back and look at the the earlier issues. And there's one thing I was going to bring up, but I'm going to wait because I think you might be asking it later, so I'm going to stop there. But <laughs> all right, okay. what do you initially like? Uh, what? Okay, so I'm going to tell you what what I didn't like. I told you already. I, I didn't like. Uh, Riddler's reveal at the end. I didn't like his costume at the end. I thought that was kind of cheesy. I didn't like Doe-Eyed Batman. 
Overall, though, I really, really dug the art. I really loved the story in here. I thought it was really good. Uh, there's one panel that I thought was... There's one page that I thought was super cheesy and out of place. Mm-hmm. And that was the the Riddler panel. panel. So uh, Bruce Wayne is in the museum with the Sphinx and the Riddler's in there. And they make you read around the panel like you're playing a board game. Mm-hmm. And I understand why. I get it. I just think it's poorly executed. Mm-hmm. I just really don't. I've seen other comics do it. Was it was a risk. It was a risk. I've sure. seen other comics do it better, though. I've seen other comics really force me to turn the, turn it around to read it. Um, I just think the circle shape doesn't translate well on a on a rectangle panel. And so it's a really... It just There's all that dead space around it. That just didn't fit for no, me very yeah, well. I agree with that. Um, I, I I I got excited when I saw. It. I go, oh, what's yeah, this? That's what and I then mean. when I got through it, I was like, yeah, eh, that was too much work for that. Yeah, I didn't I didn't think it was worth it. But I, otherwise, I'm going to tell you what. I really really dug the book. I really dug the book. And the same thing that Chris said. Um, I I didn't read Court of Owls. I heard a ton about it, but I want to go back and I want to go read uh, Scott Snyder's. I wanna, at least I want to hit volume one and, right. and, and see what that's like and see if I want to go on from there. You but, know, talking about. You guys are talking about this panel here, and I'm looking at it. And one of the things that I actually liked about it was this kind of it was kind of just a different way to show a back and forth between mm-hmm. the two characters. And that's I thought that was just a really cool way to do it. Was it executed perfectly? No, not at all. But I thought something different, yeah. you know, just having that back and forth between the two characters. I was like, all right, this is kind of neat, and it's kind of you building around to that kind of that climax was, right at the at the head of the snake. I thought that's it was new. Neat. It was something you hadn't seen yeah. before. So I was like, oh, this is really cool. And then I was like, oh, okay. But I liked how they took the risk. Yeah, they're, yeah, they're yeah. trying to evolve it in a main in a main, mainstream book. All right, Travis, what didn't you like? Um, I, I liked I like I like this a lot. But coming into it, for me, the origin story wasn't different enough. Okay, uh, it wasn't different enough. I when I saw the Red Hood, I go, don't put him in a vat of acid at the end, you know. And I saw that, and like that whole last fight scene was really predictable for me. Yeah, and I was like, okay, I've seen this, I've seen this before, but. The, but as a whole, and I got kind of I wanted with my training at the end. So even when I was then I was like, mm, and I got the training. Like, okay, all right, I'm satisfied. <laughs> uh, you know, like the car theft and stuff like that. But so I, I really liked it. And here's uh, this is where I think Scott Snyder does really well as a writer. He has these beautiful moments where he really understands the character and what the character is. And it, my, the moment I want to point out is Alfred and the the, the relationship between Alfred and Bruce is great in this. I, I agree. Yes. With you. Yeah, it was really. And great. at one point. Alfred is talking about how Al, how he failed as an actor. And he talks about when I was on stage, the reason I wasn't good is because I'd be in makeup and I'd be I'd be af- I would be afraid that I was coming through. Like people would see me and like I had to affect an accent and I had to affect a walk and everything like that. And he tells Bruce, this is what he tells him when I read it from here. He goes, They want to believe that you're up there, Bruce. The audience wants to forget who's under the mask. But they don't want to forget because of uh, what was that? Obstruction. No, they want to forget it's you by virtue of the passion of your performance. They want to be transported, Bruce. And I don't think he's just talking about Batman. I think he's talking about Batman fans. We yeah. want, yep. we yeah. want to believe in Batman. Like, like the, the reason we read Batman is because it's like. Batman's awesome, dude. Is awesome. Like, they're like, don't talk shit about Batman, he's got, dude. He's got no superpowers, but he is. We want to believe that that's possible. Yeah. That someone yeah. who is disciplined enough and focused enough and you know, cares enough. You know what? I'm not disciplined enough, nope. so I'm glad to know that someone else is. So, can we do a quick? Uh, we got to do panel. Our fa- favorite panel. 
Mm-hmm. Um, in about ten minutes, so okay, good. Before can we before we do that, can we do the things you loved? Can we do things you loved? Sure. Let's do quick things you loved. Yeah, right. I already gave you mine, so okay. go ahead, Chris. Love the fact that it was a. And it wasn't enough for you an origin story, but I love that it wasn't the exact same origin story. I know I've said that before, but I absolutely love that. I also love the conflict early in the in the comic between Alfred and Bruce Wayne. And I'm looking at the panel right now where he just slaps Bruce Wayne right across the face. I like the fact that it's just not. Ooh, that was a, that was a ooh, that was a great yeah. moment. And it's like all Good right, call. you know, it's like yeah, it's like it's like all right, you think you're all such a you know badass and. He I'm pointing at Chris's thing that when yeah. he calls him back and he goes, I wasn't, I was talking, talking to the thing. Talking about oh, oh, it. You nailed like, it. You nailed right. it, Chris. Because I was trying not to look ahead and I'm like, oh, come on. Oh, okay. They're going to make up. Nope. <laughs> but I just, I love the fact that there was actual conflict between them. And I love that Alfred is, is, they show more of Alfred as a mentor to Bruce Wayne. Yeah. And I think that that was probably one of my favorite parts of this. It wasn't cluttered with a lot of the Bat family that we find exactly. in these no. books. Yep. You didn't have to squeeze shoehorn Nightwing in yep. or Batgirl that's, and Oracle. That's my problem with Batman is that there's too many Bat characters. I'm going to tell you what. I'm reading the new run of Batgirl right now. I love it. Yeah. But she's separate from Batman. They're not They're not playing in the same sandbox right. together. And I think that might be why I didn't read Batman and Robin. I read like the first issue. I'm like, I don't... Guest starring yeah. everyone you've ever heard about <laughs> yeah. in that book. Um, Go ahead, but Josh. I'm gonna agree with you. I really like that. I'm gonna tell you uh, this isn't my panel, but I'm gonna tell you one of the things I loved was post-apocalyptic yep. Batman at the beginning. Right. It starts off with like Batman with like a crossbow and a backpack on on a sweet motorcycle. That's so rad. It's so rad. The beginning of this book, um, but it also is one of the things that I don't know how plausible it is because it says six years ago, and you're like, oh, this is before the New Fifty Two reign. This is a year before. He becomes Batman because uh, New Fifty Two starts off like five years after they've been Batman. Essentially, is, right. is how it works. And then it goes three months earlier. And I don't know. I'm not an expert <laughs> on like yeah. under like shrub growth and weed growth, but that seems like a lot of destruction. Listen, in three weed, there months. could be some high science involved and in this. Might, the Riddlers come up with or something we don't be, know. Maybe and, poison ivy makes an appearance. Maybe. And at the same time, I think and then I'm like, yeah, but if I let my go, if I let my backyard go for like a month, it's pretty crazy. So I think <laughs> you let Gotham City go for yeah, three months. Go- Gotham City should just really zero escape their whole. Yeah. <laughs> right. Uh, but I, I really love post-apocalyptic looking Batman. I thought that was really rad. Um, other things I loved. Uh, I like that there was all the callbacks. The purple gloves I thought were great. I already mentioned that before. I loved the little bit of Batman tech we got. I yeah. loved the little grappling gun thing. I liked that his voice activated. I thought there was kind of like a real like like a cheesy but kind of cool very thing. Very Scorpion. He, Come here! Yeah, get over here! A very, a very kind of cool thing. I liked his little uh, his little magnet boots that he uses underneath the blimp. I thought that was kind of a cool thing. I liked that we got um, we got Batman using tools but they weren't like cheesy, you know what I mean? So there's like some good Batman stuff. And I say cheesy because uh, Batman 66 is out on on Blu-ray, and so I've been watching like old episodes of like Batman from the 60s, and it's like the cheesiest thing ever. Oh, yeah. And so I love that there's some tech in here, and it doesn't come off cheesy. I thought it, come, it came off really good. So let's do favorite panels. Uh, let's do our guest. Our guest favorite panel. What's your favorite panel? Here's what kills me. You stole my thunder. I st- No, I did. Because that was, when, when I was introduced to this, and I saw that panel, the post-apocalyptic Batman, I go, what the hell am I about to read? <laughs> And I didn't know it was like, and I just, I looked at that and I'm like, okay, he's on a motorcycle. This is not the Batman that I know. And so that was like my, my pick of like what I was looking at it. But then there was also another one. And that was, and going back to earlier was when he was talking about why he loved Gotham, because I just had never, you know, you kind of know why it's like, yeah, there's all these like little reasons why he loves Gotham, but the way he describes it and, you know, kind of just looking at him and, and, and hearing kind of reading it in his voice, talking about why he loves it so much was just something that really kind of resonated. I'm like, okay. 
But then he says something in the in the line in the panel that says he says that uh, Gotham is transformative, and I actually look at that from the side of, well, there's a lot of villains in this town. It's transformative for them too because they become who they become because of Gotham City. I think. Yeah. And yeah. so those are my two, but the the initial one that I chose was him on the motorcycle, just because I'm like, what is this? And I totally stole it from you. That's and, all right. And let me tell you, that makes me want to read the volume five, exactly, because I want to see that Batman. Yeah, I want to see that. Ba- I want to see Batman with a crossbow. I want to see what he gets up to with that. But I really love that panel, and I'm a little bummed that after reading that, I, after reading this whole volume, I didn't get that Batman. But that's like that again. Is Snyder doing a really good job of like playing? I think long years ball. secret uh, zero year is definitely at least a whole year run of Batman. It was. It was a whole yeah. year run. So it's two trades worth. Yeah. Two trades worth. So there's one more trade of it, and I'm definitely, I definitely want to pick that up. So Travis, what's your panel? Well, we t- that was one of them, and also the I- bat being strung up was one of them with the the things. Okay. So um, I'm gonna go something. Um, uh, there is a panel where. The the bats are going through Bruce, right? Okay. And this is kind of maybe contrary to what I said. You know, we've we've seen kind of like the uh, the um, the bust of the father and the bat coming through the window yeah. thing before. It's a very Frank Miller um, yeah. came up with this. But the reason I like this is because they made it plausible with the whole device. So it's not just like artistic. This makes sense. Like he's. The device is showing these mm-hmm. bats coming through, and this also kind of like the baptism. This is his baptism, if you will, right? Oh, like he is good. being um, like the bats are just flying through them, and the coloring is great, and you have that sense of this is his epiphany moment, right? Yeah, this is the epiphany moment. It's a good part of the story. It's drawn really well, um, and it also makes sense within the context. It's not just like here's a, a metaphor um, picture of what's happening to Bruce. Like no, because of the the, the balls projecting yeah. the cave. This is actually happening in that moment. I love how messed up his face is in that whole scene. Like, how beat to crap Bruce Wayne is. The art is really scene. good there. I thought it was That's really where good. you get that less uh, anime art. Is that, yeah. is that Raphael? Raphael's no, drawing on that? No, no it's, just, it's still Capullo. But Capullo's well drawing him, like, beat to crap. And there's oh. a real foggy texture to it. All right, my favorite panel is ooh, later on uh, when he uses the grappling hook. He like attaches it to the red hood, and then he rides him down the stairs. <laughs> oh, that's great! Yeah, down that's the a great one. Yeah, and, he, and Batman is like riding down, and he says "yeehaw," and it's such a cheesy. God, that's a good one. It's yeah. such a cheesy line, but I love. It's just a little tiny panel in the bottom corner. Uh, but I thought that that was done really well. I thought the color was really good because it's a lot of black. But then you get like that red, the pink of the red hoods because the red hoods are not most of the time in this book. They're really pink. The Red Hood is really pink. And they, thought, they all know each other's numbers, like yeah. off the top of each other's head. Like, Red no, Hood, 349, yeah. stop! No one's wearing a number, but but that was my favorite panel, and it's a super small one, and that you should be glad to know that, Travis, I didn't pick a whole page this time. So, <laughs> so that was I like that panel. one, too, and I like how they set up the bull, he's like, I'm a rat, someone's like, someone's yeah, like, I'm, I'm a rat, like, like a bull. bull. He's like, yeehaw. Which is very, but the yeehaw was very on Batman, that, yeah. but, but, but a young Batman, so exactly. I believed it. So you can, you can yeah. buy it. Cause Old Batman, Batman would not yeehaw. No, he would not. All right, so um, will you will you continue reading? Will you read? Will you read more? Will you pick up more uh, Snyder's Batman? Uh, I'm going to tell you right now that Volume Five is in my cart on Amazon, just nice. waiting for me to press buy uh, because I want to. I waiting for my next paycheck. <laughs> uh, <laughs> click because I want to read. I want to read uh, the rest of Zero Year for sure. I kind of want to go back and read Court of Owls, but that's a lot of. It's a lot more dedication because that's three volumes it. of stuff. Uh, what do you think of it? Um, 
Did you read? It I like this, this better. I think. I think. Yeah, I did read it before. Okay. I did read it before, but it was also mixed in with the other artists, the other, the whole Bat family. Yeah. And so I was only I would get like Snyder, and then a bunch of other freaking writers, and then I get like Snyder again, and yeah. I was like, I just I would love to just read just the Snyder run on it. Yeah, Chris. I am absolutely on board with the next one. Nice. I do want to continue reading it because of what I saw here. I wanted, like, and we were talking about the post-apocalyptic Batman, easy for me to say, is getting to see what, what, why am I seeing this? Where, all right, I get the, I love the origin. Where is this going from here? I want to see what happens next. So, absolutely. And I've actually, it's actually on the iTunes bookstore. I have every intention of actually getting right. it. Um, I just waiting to talk we about gotta, it today. We got to check this Riddler out, see what he yeah, does. Yeah, exactly. I, I want to know how he makes it happen. Yeah, because Riddler's a tough villain to... To, to really make pop, yeah. you know, it's an interesting choice because he has choice of the whole. Well, I figured reading it, I thought the Red Hood gang brought down Gotham City. Reading yeah, the that's whole, reading the whole thing up to that point. I'm like, all right, the city is destroyed because of the Red Hood gang, and not until that backup story do you get. I'm like, oh, it's the Riddler who did that. Okay, right. all right, awesome. Okay, I can dig that. I'll go with that. Um, so, all around, uh, would you would you suggest this? Would you give someone this to read? Yes, I would. I think it's a great jumping on point. Fantastic, Chris. Anyone who is any familiar is familiar with Batman, like and just likes Batman, will love this. I'm gonna agree with you. I would totally give this to someone who digs Batman. I don't think you have to. The best part about the Zero Year is you don't have to have any other knowledge. Again, I didn't know much about the Red Hood, but going in and reading this, uh, I got a good sense of, of kind of the, the myth of the Red Hood and everything else. So I, I really dug it. Um, and there's enough kind of like this is Batman stuff to keep you going. Oh yeah, I kind of get it. But I really, I really dug it. I totally get someone to read it. I have a question for you guys real quick before we go. Yeah. What, one of the things that I think a lot of, that turns off a lot of casual fans, and maybe you can talk about this just real quickly, is you're talking about reboots. Uh-huh. And I think that's a big turnoff to people who are casual. Like, I look at things and I see that there's 47 different Batman comics, 47 X-Men comics, 47, et cetera, yeah. et cetera. That's a big turnoff. What, where would you tell, what would you tell someone who is like, basically like me, what would you tell someone like me who is casual? Like, how would you start? Where where do you go from there? Like, I, look I, at all these reboots. I think the point for us, too, is the trade is the best way to jump on with something. Mm-hmm. Because you can go by Volume 1 and you get six issues of Batman. The original run that Scott Snyder's on right now. And if you dig it, you can get Volume 2. And mm-hmm. you're good, right? And, and so, um, I really... I think single issues are, are great. I, have, I get my pull list. I have single issues. But I think if you're trying to get someone into comics... Getting them a trade or telling them to pick up a trade because it was like what was it on iTunes? Ten bucks. I yeah, think it was a ten ninety nine. Nine ninety nine or something, something, like that, yeah. something like that. Uh, even mine on Amazon was cheap. So right. I mean, relatively cheap considering what it is. So um, I would say that that's the best way to do it. Did you did you like reading it on your iPad? I actually did a lot. Um, but seeing the colors pop on it, the fact that it, the thing that I really liked about it was I could have it right now. Yeah, and I could start reading it. And, you know, a lot of people don't like reading on an iPad because it's not the traditional way, you know, and you don't get the, the whole feel of it. For me, it wasn't a big deal. I got to go wherever I wanted. I always had it with me. When I had my iPad, I had my comic with yeah. me. I didn't have to bring two things with it. Loved the way the colors popped on this. The art was superb on this on this display. Loved it. Would highly recommend if you don't, if you're worried about, you know, having to go try and find a comic in the store, you don't want to order it, you want it now, you've got the tablet, you're willing to do it. Absolutely. Mm-hmm. Worth reading on it. My advice to the question you asked would be similar to Josh, too, but here's my thing. Don't get caught up in the continuity of any yeah. kind of comic. Don't be afraid to get into it. My suggestion is go with the trade, 
it's there's a million different Batmans. Each writer and artist creates their own Batman. There's go online and you're gonna if you type in best Batman runs, best Batman stories, you're gonna see the similar things. You're gonna see um, Batman Year One, Batman Long Halloween, Death in the Family, Death in the Family. Those those are time tested, uh, kid tested, mother approved. <laughs> Read that and then. Yeah. Acknowledge, hey, that's someone's Batman. And when you pick up a different writer, this is their Batman. This is Scott Snyder's Batman. Yeah. I like Scott Snyder's Batman. I think it's very fan-friendly. I think it's very Bat-friendly. He's not doing anything that's too extreme that's going to turn Bat fans off or completely exile new readers. We're about to turn to Pumpkin here. So, Josh, why don't you, uh, first of all, thanks, Chris, for Absolutely. coming yeah. on here. Thank you very much for uh, having me, guys. Great insights on, on, uh, yeah. on, on Batman. And uh, go ahead... Um, Tell them what we got next next, uh, next episode. Next, next episode. All right, so next episode, we are reading Underwater Welder. We're going indie. Mm-hmm. We did a big two book. We did a giant superhero book uh, with Batman. We're going to go read Underwater Wel- uh, Welder by Jeff Lemire, uh, who is a big indie comic guy. Uh, he's currently he's going to take over writing uh, Hawkeye, I think. He's taking over writing Hawkeye. Oh. Uh, from Matt Fraction, so I'm kind of interested to see what he does with that because I'm a big Hawkeye fan. I read I read that right now regularly. Uh, but we're gonna read that one. Uh, my buddy Jeremy's coming on to talk about it. Uh, super good. I think uh, it's you can get it on Amazon. We'll put the link yep. up on the You'll page. You'll have it. You go to our page. You can buy it. Buy now on Amazon. Click it right there. Yeah. Uh, so that's what we're talking about next time. Uh, we're gonna be at Comic Con coming up. Uh, Amazing Arizona Comic Con. Mm-hmm. So if you listen to the podcast, maybe you see us there. If you don't listen to the podcast. Maybe you will once we harass you with stuff yeah. at Comic-Con. Uh, so, guys, thanks for tuning in. Uh, yeah, you can find us on ComicExposure.com, Facebook.com slash ComicExposure, and at ComicExposure on Twitter. Uh, I'm Josh, and uh, for Travis and our, and our uh, partner in crime today, uh, Chris, I say thanks for listening, and we'll see you next trade.